Well, good evening, UBC. Well, how good and how pleasant it is for us as a church to dwell together in unity. I just want to take a moment before I get started to, as I look at you all, just say thanks for how you have cared for me and just poured into me these last six years as I've been a a member here. And it is my joy to hopefully encourage you by just looking at God's word. And so, like Cole said, we are going to be looking at Revelation 14, 19. And so if you turn there, that'd be wonderful. So our text today comes from the book of Revelation, which is written by John the Apostle. This book recounts a vision God gives John about the end of time. This is commonly referred to as the apocalypse or the second coming of Jesus. As a part of this second coming, Jesus will come to judge the earth. And in doing so, he comes to crown the righteous and he comes to crush the wicked. He creates a new heaven and a new earth that are without the stain of sin. And one helpful thing to note as we get into this text is that Revelation has a lot of apocalyptic language. And apocalyptic writing uses different metaphors and images to describe these future events. So let's read our text, Revelation 14, 19. It says, So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the great harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And so let me draw your attention to something right away. The image used in the context of this chapter is describing, or to describe the second coming of Jesus is a great harvest of the earth. And it's really a tale of two harvests. As Cole pointed out in his sermon earlier today, Jesus comes to harvest some and crown them with salvation. And he also comes to harvest some uh, for the purpose of his wrath. And so on verse 16, just a few verses before 19, uh, it describes this first harvest where Jesus comes to crown and save his people. But the verse we are focusing on tonight describes that second harvest. And so I just want to read our verse again. Revelation 14, 19. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And so the main idea of the text is this. God's judgment for the wicked will come swiftly and surely. And that is our one point for the night. And so I'll say that again for you note takers. The main point is God's judgment for the wicked will come swiftly and surely. So let's think about this verse. Remember, this is apocalyptic language. From the text, it is clear that the harvest is the reaping or collecting of the wicked to receive God's wrath. We know that the grapes are synonymous with the wicked because God does not pour out his wrath on the unrighteous or the undeserving. But God's wrath is his just judgment on the wicked. And we can think of verses like Romans 1.18, which says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness 
and unrighteousness of many. And so the wrath of God is for our unrighteousness. And next, it's important to see what, a metaf- what this metaphor of a great harvest tells us about the context of this coming wrath. Do you know the attitude harvesters have during harvest time? They is the busiest time of year for them, and at the end of the harvest, it is celebrated with feasting and festivals. The harvest scene here in this text is meant to be seen in a similar light of joy and celebration. So it is harvest time, and while our earthly harvests take the work of many laborers, working 80-plus hours a week, toiling to get all the fruit from the harvest, let's look at this passage and see how it is characterized. So we see an angel, that's one harvester, who has one sickle, that's one hand tool, and he swings one time, and that's it. Harvest is over. Are you all familiar with sickles? They are no more than a mere hand tool. It's a two-foot curved blade attached to a stick, and you swing it to cut down wheat or to collect grapes and fruit. Can you imagine trying to harvest even an acre of land? It would take thousands of swings. But look at the ease in which this angel is able to harvest the earth. And what we can see from this is that no person or country will be able to resist or hide from God's judgment. When the angel swings his sickle and it gets to the great wall of China, it will not slow down. When the angel will not have to take multiple swings in order to reap all of its harvest in Russia. Even America's nuclear defense system will not be effective in slowing down the swift and sure judgment of God. See, God's harvest here is amazing. It's unstoppable. It will come swiftly and surely. And what does this judgment result in? The rest of the verse says this, And the angel threw them through the grapes into the great winepress of the wrath of God. God's holy and just character causes him to respond to sinners by giving them exactly what they deserve. The wages of sin is death. And the simple, unavoidable truth that we face is that all people deserve God's wrath. And we know this to be true because we have disobeyed God. We know that he's called us to live holy lives, to love him with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. But if you're anything like me, you know that behind most of your actions is a sinful and self-seeking motive. And as Romans 2.8 makes clear, for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Romans 2.5 goes as far as to tell us that, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. See, those verses are looking forward to the very day we're talking about here. Every sin we commit is a sin against God, and it is piling more and more wrath to await us on that great day. So look back at the text with me. The angel has gathered all the wicked of the earth for the purpose of being set in the great winepress of the wrath of God. And 
to help you understand this image, a wine press is a large limestone area where grapes would be gathered and set in, and then they would be stomped on and crushed so that the, they could collect the juice. So according to this image, the wicked people of the world are to be crushed and stomped on as grapes in a great wine press. See, this image is meant to be provocative. It means to arrest our attention because we know that this image represents that the wicked, all that the wicked will face in hell as they sit under the crushing weight of God's eternal wrath. And this is their sure future. And so this certainty from God's word demands that we, we ask some serious questions to ourselves. Will you be thrown into this great wine press? This message is calling the unrepentant to wake up, to the lukewarm, wake up. Do not spend another night sleeping under the judgment of God, because it will come surely and it will come swiftly. We are not promised tomorrow, so make today count. Today is the day of salvation. May the Holy Spirit convict you of your sin against God, and would you respond to the gospel of Christ? See, currently, you face that great winepress. You await the crushing wrath of God. And yet God has sovereignly made a way for you to be saved from your helpless state. You have done nothing to earn it by any good works that you've done. In fact, what we've read is that our works only add to the wrath of that coming day. But that is why our holy creator God sent his son, Jesus, who condescended from heaven to earth, taking on flesh, being 100% man and 100% God, to live the perfect life that we could not live. And Jesus didn't come, or Jesus living that perfect life earned for himself righteousness and exaltation in heaven. But Jesus didn't just come to live and show us his greatness. He came to offer salvation to the wicked. See, Jesus offers to take yours and mine place in the great winepress. He he offers to be crushed in our place. And that's why Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus was crucified on the cross, and the wrath of God meant for me and you fell on him and was completely satisfied. Then, after being buried for three days, he rose again from the dead, victorious over sin and death. And this is the message that we as Christians hope and live in. And for Jesus to take your place and bear your sins, you must put your faith in him, trusting him as Lord and Savior, and repent from your sins. So trust in the forgiveness that God offers you. And to the member of UBC who's walking in unconfessed and unrepentant sin. Do not let another hour pass while you think, tomorrow I will start walking in faith and repenting of my sin. To the children and high schoolers in here, I just ask you to remember that 
you're not saved by your parents' faith and repentance, but you must trust in Christ, and you must turn from your sins. And further, for the Christians in the room, when the angel comes to collect the, the harvest of the wicked, do you care that they will face eternal crushing wrath from God? For the human on the other side of the earth who has never heard the gospel and has no hope of hearing it, does your heart break for them? For your coworkers and neighbors who are spending their life pursuing the things of the world, do you care that they will face God's wrath? And for your family, do you care about their eternity? I know you do. But that is why we must show our love for them by telling them about the coming wrath for their sin and the hope that they can have in Christ as their Savior. And further, Christians in the room, let us pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers to go out and proclaim his word to all creation. Let us pray that from among this very church, members would be seeking to be raised up and sent out to go and reach unreached language groups. And Christian, I would even ask you, are you willing to go? For the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. So lastly, thinking about the coming wrath of God, it can, it can be a weighty subject. It can be emotional. But this text helps shape how we as Christians think about this passage, about that coming day. We are not to be apologetic for God's sovereign and good plan. We are not to fear the coming day of Christ, and we are not to mourn God's righteous character. We are to rejoice in the judgment of the world. We are to behold the Son of Man coming on the clouds, praising God that he would send his Son to redeem us and all of creation from every effect and stain of sin of this world. For now, presently, we and all creation are groaning and suffering because of sin. Yet on this great day, as we think about how our bodies fail, uh, how we lose loved ones, how we struggle with sin, face persecution, and how we see just injustice all around us and all over the world, on this great day, all of those things will be in the past. And to that end, we as Christians say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And when he comes, where will you be? Will you be gathered in the winepress of the wrath of God? Or will you be gathered in the arms of the merciful Savior, Jesus Christ? Let's pray. God, we praise you that your judgment of the wicked will come swiftly and surely and we praise you that you will make all things new. Amen.